In the eyes of God, when He looks upon us, we are never so beautiful as when we are rejoicing in Him and giving Him praise. We are never so beautiful. Open your Bible, please, to the book of Philippians, chapter number 3. Philippians chapter number 3. Everybody there? I'd like, if I may, to ask you to stand one last time. We're going to read together one verse. One verse. And then you get to sit back down. Okay? Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 1. Let's all read together, folks. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Thank you. You may be seated. Imagine someone wanting to be happy, but they don't seem to have anything to be happy about. Maybe, maybe someone here has experienced that. Maybe you've had that happen to you. Where you thought, oh, I want to be happy, but too many, too many sad things in my life. I can't be happy. I want to be happy, but I can't. You know, a lot of people have felt that. A man named Joseph Grimaldi was born in London, England in 1778. He died 58 years later in 1837. Grimaldi is famous for being known as the father of modern clowns. You get a picture in your head of what a clown looks like. And Grimaldi started it all back in his lifetime. In the, um, I guess, around 1800. He was the first to paint his face white and introduce pantomime. He was extremely funny. He was extremely popular. He could bring an audience to extreme laughter. Well, the story is told that one day in London, a young man went to see a doctor complaining of being a nervous wreck. The doctor told him he needed to loosen up. He needed to learn how to laugh. He suggested he go watch Grimaldi, the famous clown. He said, all of London is holding its sides laughing at him. And the visitor straightened up and said, Doctor, I am Grimaldi. It's sad when you want to laugh, but you have to cry. Um, as a little end note on this interesting story, for the past 70 years, a church in East London called the Holy Trinity Church has been hosting Clown Day at its church. Now, I had wanted to send a photo to the media, but somehow either it got lost in cyberspace or I forgot to hit the send button or something. But what they do is they hold a church service 
and everyone comes dressed up like a Grimaldi. And it's a Catholic church, and so it's a Catholic priest up at the front dressed like a big Grimaldi, and he's holding his church service. Now, on the one hand, that may sound funny, but when you step back and you think about it, here the church is supposed to be the house of the Lord, and, well, yeah, I think you get what I'm, what I'm trying to say. There's a time and a place for things. I don't think that church is the place to bring in Grimaldi. I don't think that that's not for a Sunday morning service. We have a family fun night coming the end of this month. Uh, Monday, I think it is October the 31st. It's, it's an alternative to the Halloween where we can get together as a church and we have a lot of family fun and we give away some candy and game, you know, have games and things like that. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about on a Sunday morning bringing and filling in the house of God with clowns. The problem is there's nothing there to laugh about. That may be as bad, maybe worse, I'm not sure, as bringing rock music into a church. Maybe rock music is worse, I suppose. But we're told here that rejoicing is safe for us. Chapter 3, verse 1. But for you, it is safe. The word rejoice comes from the word joy, J-O-Y. And joy is not just a happy feeling. It's a decisive act of the will. Did you know that? It, it sort of reminds me of the word friend. Someone says, well, I got no friends, I got no friends. I got no friends. A friend is not someone who chooses you. A friend is someone that you choose. Usually, people who would say to me, Pastor, I, I got no friends. I got no friends. And I ask them, well, have you tried to reach out? Have you tried to be friendly? The Bible says a man that hath friends will have friends, must show himself friendly. Have you tried? And often they'll say no. No. A friend is someone you choose. Joy is something that you choose. It's a deliberate act of your will. It's an act of your will based on glorious truth. Um, if I said um, classical music, would you have a name come to mind? Think someone said Beethoven? Beethoven. Okay. Does anyone know who Beethoven's teacher was? Joseph Haydn. Another famous, famous, famous teacher. He was also the mentor to Mozart. Joseph Haydn. And Joseph Haydn was um, asked why his church music was always so full of joy. And here's what Haydn said. He said, When I think upon God, my heart is so full of joy that the notes dance and leap, as it were, from my pen. And since God has given me a cheerful heart, it will be pardoned me that I serve Him with a cheerful spirit. There are some people that are very good at joy. I'm, I'm talking about Christian people. And you, you want to be around them because they seem to really have the joy of the Lord. 
Well, I'll, I'll give you a little secret here. We can all have it. Every one of us. You might think, well, I'm not a very, you know, a joyful kind of person. Well, no, not with a face like that, I suppose, an attitude like that, I guess not. But joy is a decisive act of the will. You have to want to do it. You have to want to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to I have your joy. I want to have the joy of the Lord. I want to be able to sing, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I want that to be me. It's a decisive act of the will. The word rejoice, chapter 3, verse 1, rejoice in the Lord. That word rejoice is a present tense verb. That means continual, always doing it. You don't just do it on Sunday morning. You do it on Monday morning too. You determine that you're going to have the joy of the Lord. Now some people... They rejoice over their gold and over their silver. I know Irish rejoices over her silver, doesn't she? Yeah, but she's the only one that can do that. You know, we're told here that we are to rejoice in the Lord because for us it is safe. There is safety Believe it or not, you say, safety from what? What's the danger? I'm glad you asked. That's what I want to share with you this afternoon. I'm so glad you decided to stay for the afternoon service. Let's have a word of prayer, and then let's look at the dangers that happen when we're not full of the joy of the Lord, okay? Our Father, please teach our hearts this afternoon. We're talking about joy, and that's a wonderful word. Some... Parents name their, their, their little girl Joy. That's a great name. It's a great word. We're told to rejoice. Now teach us why. Teach us the benefits, Lord. Holy Spirit of God, get a hold of our hearts in such a way that we'll all make the right decision at the end of the message so we can all leave this place with joy, and we can start in on another week tomorrow morning with joy. And maybe some of the people we work with will see the difference in our eyes, in our voice, in our face. Help us to reflect the joy of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well... Number one, you may want to take notes. Number one, joy is going to protect you from the danger of anger. Anger. That is a real danger. Anger destroys. Anger always destroys. That's what anger does. Anger is like this hot rising of air. Um, the weather experts all tell us that when we get this sudden hot rising of air, we get thunderstorms, we get hurricanes. Wow. Uh, lots of destruction there. Anger stops all spiritual growth. And I want you to see this. Take your Bible, please. Turn to the right 
go to the uh, book of James. So after Hebrews, James chapter number one. James chapter number one. Say, do I have to turn there? Yeah, you do, because you're going to have to read this. I need your help. I need your help to read this with me. James chapter 1, verse 20. Big loud voice, everyone. Let's read it together. James 1, 20. Here we go. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. We want the righteousness of God. We want that in our lives. We want to have spiritual growth. Well, wrath brings all that to a stop. You don't have to be 90 years old to have wrath. You can be a little kid and have wrath. You could be a young adult, teenager. You could be in your 20s, 30s, 40s. You just keep adding the numbers. And wrath is a temptation for every one of us. Getting angry, getting mad. There's a danger there. Um, we're told in Romans chapter 12. Well, actually, let's turn back there, shall we? Yeah. Romans chapter 12. Why, why not read it, huh? Here we go. Okay, let's see. Um, verse 20, 21. Romans 12, 20 and 21. Folks watching online, would you help us out? Would you read these verses out loud with us, please? Romans chapter 12, let's read together verse 20, 21. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Now that's good advice right there. And I'll tell you something, having the joy of the Lord will help you overcome evil. I mean, you can't, you can't be angry and be joyful at the same time. Joy will overcome the anger. The joy of the Lord will overcome the anger of this world, at least anyhow. And uh, we'll take a look also while we're in the looking mood, right? Let's go to 1 Thessalonians. So back to the right, right before Timothy, you'll find Thessalonians. Chapter number 5. First Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Verses 15 and 16. Let's read those out loud together, please. First Thessalonians 5, 15 and 16. Here we go. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Ho, ho. Where have we seen those words before? Hmm? Who can tell me? Philippians chapter 3 verse 1. Yeah, you knew that, didn't you? That's the verse we started on, folks. We all stood up and we read it together. And I repeated those words about rejoice evermore. So you see here, we're told again, rejoice evermore. Rejoicing, learning to rejoice in the Lord is very, very important because it saves us from danger. Rejoicing in the Lord is something good. 
if we keep our eyes fixed on good things, keep our eyes fixed on the Lord, we're going to overcome this danger of anger. Some people get angry easy, right? Nobody here, of course. Sometimes anger gets into people's homes. No homes or families here, of course, right? We all fight the same devil, and he uses the same tricks on all of us. And anger is one of his most powerful tricks. If he can get him angry at her, or her angry at him, or you get the idea, he is one. He's one. Why do you think so many people take each other to court and sue each other's brains out? Why do they do that? Isn't it over anger? A lot of the times. Not all of the times, I know that, but anger motivates, I think, most court cases. Anger motivates most fights. Anger motivates wars. What's happening in Russia and Ukraine? You know, we get one political leader and he's angry and determined he's going to do something before he dies. He does a war. So, Anger is not our friend. It's, it's not our companion. It's, it's not even a nice guy. Anger is a bad guy. Anger is a, a counterfeit. Anger is a, a desperado. Anger is a, uh, a two-faced, a cutthroat. Uh, anger is not something we want. So, anyhow, but number one, the danger of anger. Number two, the danger of covetousness. The danger of covetousness. Wow. This is a dangerous one. Um, you know in Exodus chapter 20 we have the Ten Commandments, right? You all know that. And one of the commandments says, Thou shalt not... What's the next word? Covet. Yeah, you knew where this was going. And it gives this big list of things you're not supposed to covet. Well, you know, you step back and sort of smell the roses, taste the coffee, whatever. You see the whole forest, not just a couple of trees. Covetous is not just confined to that man's donkey, you know, or this man's wife or whatever. Covetousness finds its um, greasy tentacles spreading throughout just about everything in life. People can be covetous. Covetous. Listen to this. Born again Christian people can be covetous of other things that Christians have. Spiritual growth. Ministries, nice Bible. They can be covetous of things like that. In my last church back in the city of Ottawa, there was a man, and he was a nice Christian man in many ways, but he, he shocked me one day. He shocked me. And I'm not going to read too much into his words, but it's just, I never forgot it. He said to me, he said, you know what my problem is? And he wasn't talking about me. He was talking about himself. He says, you know what my problem is? I said, no, what? He said, I want what I can't have. I said, okay, what might that be? And he looked at me and said, your job. Imagine that. If he knew the heartache, the tears, the stress, he could have it. <laughs> Take my job off. Glad to switch places with you. He was a... Uh, well, I won't, I won't go any further. But uh, it was just something I never forgot. I want what I can't have. Yeah. 
Well, anyhow, not here to talk about ministry per se, but I am here to talk about this. Point two, joy, rejoicing in joy will save us from covetousness. And covetousness is another dirty dog is what it is. Turn back a few pages to the book of Ephesians, would you please? Galatians, Ephesians, and chapter number five. I'll tell you what this, this word covet or covetousness. This, this is a, um, a dirty dog amongst wolves. This is a, um, a, one of the thieves of, um, what is it, Alibaba's 40 thieves or something like that? Or a thousand thieves or whatever it is. Here, covetousness is all part of that crowd. Look at chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3. Let's read it together now. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. And of course, verse 4 goes on to talk about filthiness and all kinds of other things. It's a shopping list of sin. Bad stuff. And right in the middle, right in the middle, we got covetousness. Covetousness. Imagine that. Um, hey, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Let's go to the right. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And let's read, say, verse uh, 5. Verse 5 together, everyone. Here we go. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Oh, that's not a, just a dog. That's a dirty, stinking dog, isn't it? Wow. I shouldn't talk that way about dogs. I love dogs. Well, it's a dirty, stinking something. Covetousness is idolatry. Imagine if, imagine if someone come up to you and accused you of idolatry. That'd be pretty strong, wouldn't it? Me? Whew. I'm not an idolater. I'm a born-again Christian. I'm not just a born-again Christian. I'm a Bible-loving, missions-minded, soul-winning, evangelistic, Bible-reading, you know, gospel prayer. I'm a good Christian. Don't call me an idolater. Yeah, well, I saw you looking through the window of that new car dealership and I saw drool coming out of the corner of your mouth. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, everyone drools. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Covetousness, which is idolatry. A bit of a humorous thing happened to, um, to one of my sons. I won't tell you which one. <laughs> Take your pick. I only have two of them. So, but they won't tell you either. This is a family secret. We're sworn to secrecy around the whites. Another one of the white secrets. But I can tell you this that when one of my sons was just, just a very young little guy, he saw this toy catalog 
pages of toys, right? And he said to me, Daddy, I'd like one of these. And he pointed right at it. And one of these. And then he turned the page. And all of these. And it went on for two or three pages. And I laughed. I, you know, I, I wish I could have given it all to him. But, uh, you know, you don't get in the ministry for money, okay? Yeah. A little trade secret to tell you there. But covetousness is not your friend. Wow. Rejoicing will save you not only from anger. Rejoicing will save you from covetousness. Because you will learn to be content with what you have. That's why so many of us are in way too much debt. Isn't that generally the reason why we get into debt in the first place? Is to get something we don't have but we think we need? So often we'll go out and buy things, bring them home, and maybe look at them once or twice or use them once or twice, and after a week, a month, we'll say, why did I buy that? Sometimes we'll, we'll try and send it back to the store and get our money back. Why did I even get that? Sometimes it's a good idea when you have an impulse desire to buy something. Try to wait. Try to wait. My wife and I went down for these, um, what do they call them again? You, you sit through a presentation for timeshare. You know where they try and sell you some vacation package. And uh, as a reward, you get a set of steak knives. You know, or as a reward, you'll, you'll get a, uh, a day and a night at a nice lodge or something like that. And so we thought, oh yeah, man, piece of cake, no problem. Well, we went and we sat through their presentation. I'm telling you, we're drooling the side of our mouth. And they're making every case you know, for their, their sale. That, boy, you need to do this for yourselves. You need to do this for your children. You need to do this for your grandchildren. You need to do this because it's a wise investment. You need to do this because it's something that you'll, you'll treasure you know, year after year. You need to do this because uh, it gives you more variety than other methods. And they, they, had, they had us. They, and I was pulling my hand back from signing you know, the dotted line. And my wife, you know, she was <laughs> throwing herself over the table. You know, I'll sign, I'll sign. Don't, don't let my husband near it. You know, I'll do it. I'll, all the time, but I'm just teasing. She's not here, so I can tease. So, um, anyhow, we said, I said, no, 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 no. And so we finally left. And she's, we, we just threw away gold. They just said, we'll, we'll never get this opportunity again in our lives. This is the last time for this deal at this price. And here I am throwing it away, and we're driving away. But something funny happened. And um, she said, after we got a few miles away, a few miles down the road, she says, you know, maybe it, maybe it wasn't such a bad decision to say no. And by the time we got home, we were glad we didn't buy it. We were glad. And then in the weeks after, we realized more practical reasons why it was good we didn't do that. On Wednesday nights, we're watching a fantastic series by Jim Sammons. Oh, listen, if you're not coming on Wednesday nights, you don't realize how much you're missing. I want to encourage you to come Wednesday nights, 7 o'clock. 
You're going to learn so much. This is like the fourth time I've gone through it. And I'm still learning stuff. It's still a joy and rejoicing to my heart. Jim Sammons teaches about not going into debt. Live your life debt free. Well, if we had bought this thing, we would have put ourselves under some heavy duty debt for some heavy duty years. And it's the same principle as many years ago we thought, you know, if we could buy a big motor home, man, that's traveling first class. We could go here and go there and we pour a cup of coffee for ourselves and as a kitchen, as a washroom, has beds and everything in it, all on four wheels. Man, we could just go anywhere. I'm glad we didn't buy one because for our lifestyle, now for many people it's fine, but for us, we might only get to use that thing once a, a year, maybe for a week because we're busy. And so it would have just sat there and sat there and sat there and rusted and have to be repaired and repaired and repaired while we make payment after payment. Another thing we're glad we didn't buy. But covetousness. A lot of the stuff we buy, it's to please the eyes. We look at them. Eye candy. Candy for the eyeballs is what it ends up being. But... Um, rejoicing will help us to be content. Now, maybe some of you are familiar with the name Vanderbilt. The Vanderbilt family from the uh, late 1800s. Anyhow, they were fabulously wealthy. I mean, they, that was like a family today, you know, where the brothers, the brothers are um, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett. You know, maybe the father is Elon Musk. It's a family of wealthy, 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 wealthy people, the Vanderbilts. They put, they built one of the most fabulous houses in the world, down in the States. It's called Biltmore Mansion. And it's still owned by the, grand, the great-grandson of Daddy Vanderbilt. It's still family-owned. And all they do is they, they open it up for tours and movie shoots. Lots of movies have been made there. So, many years ago, this group of uh, Bible college students that were preparing for the mission field, they decided with their, their school professor, there was an outing. They were going to go there and visit the, the vast Biltmore estates. And so they, they walked through the, the house and around the, uh, the, the gardens and everything. You have to see pictures to know what I'm talking about. Eh, if I'd been thinking about it, I would have got pictures for you up here. I know, but you can do this at home. Just don't drool over it, okay? Don't drool over your computer. Anyhow, the story goes like this, that these Bible college students, as they were finishing up their tour, there was a group of them. They started walking around the premises and they began singing with joy in their hearts these words when you look at others with their lands and gold think that Christ has promised you his wealth untold count your many blessings money cannot buy your reward in heaven nor your home on high of course we sing that one here in church don't we count your blessings that's what rejoicing does. And when you rejoice, when you start living day by day rejoicing, you will be quicker to count your blessings 
than counting, you know, the empty spots on the shelf and, you know, where this, boy, if you own one of these and, ooh, if you only had one of those and two of these and so on. It's, it'll save you from covetousness. Rejoice in the Lord. Paul said, it is safe for you to do this. Safe from what? Safe from what's the first thing? Say it out loud. Anger. Boy, we're tired this afternoon, aren't we? Man, how many got too much to eat? Raise your hand. (laughs) What a veritable feast. And wait till next week. It's going to be worse. (laughs) We are going to buffet your body, I tell you. So, okay. Rejoicing is going to save us from anger. Number two, rejoices is going to save us from what? Covetous. You got that one. Number three. There's more? There's one more I got for you. Rejoicing will save us from the danger of ugliness. (laughs) Ugliness? Yep. Um, You want to see this in Psalm? Psalm 33. Go back there. Psalm 33. Now we're going to read verse 1 in just a moment. Psalm 33, verse 1. But I want you first to know the word comely means beautiful. It has that idea of finely set, beautiful, very gorgeous. That's what comely means. Let's read verse 1. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. In the eyes of God, when He looks upon us, We are never so beautiful as when we are rejoicing in Him and giving Him praise. We are never so beautiful. You know, in China, a few years ago, not many years ago, a man went to court and successfully divorced his wife. And they'd only been married less than a month. He successfully divorced her on the grounds that She deceived him. She didn't look anything like what she looked like with her makeup on. He married her based upon what he saw. He liked what he saw. But, you know, that honeymoon night or the next day when he woke up and turned over, "Ah! Who are you and what have you done with my wife? It was her. You know, they say beauty is skin deep. Well, for this gal, it came off at night, you know, went in a jar or something. But it wasn't the same looking girl. She had figured out a way to make herself up in such a way that, wow, men were beating a path to her door. And this one guy finally, you know, killed all the others and married her. Now wish that he had been killed. But uh, this true story, he took it to court and he got a divorce. The, The judge granted it. Because uh, she really didn't look anything like what she did with her makeup on. Well, I'll tell you what. When you and I learn to rejoice in the Lord, in the eyes of God, man, we look gorgeous. We really, really do. So, that means this. If that's true, then the opposite must also be true. When we don't rejoice... And we're not praising the Lord 
What does God have to look at? Starts with the letter U. Ugly. Ugly. Yeah. <laughs> what was that comedian that said, you know, ugly, ugly, you know. You look up the word ugly and her picture's there or his picture's there in the dictionary. <laughs> ugly. This is ugly. <laughs> well, God loves us still. God even loves the ugly ones. I know that. But he would much rather us look beautiful, comely. Psalm 33, verse 1. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous. That's us. That's us saved ones. We're part of his family. For praise is comely for the upright. Oh, hallelujah. Beautiful in every way. Let's go back to the New Testament. And we'll find Philippians. Philippians. That's where we started. Philippians. Only we'll go to chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Now there's a man's name in verse 25. You think you can find it? 2 and 25, there's a man's name there. You think you got it? Say it out loud with me. Epaphroditus. Say it again. Epaphroditus. And one more time. Epaphroditus. You know what that name means? Lovely. Here's a man named Lovely. That's a pretty cool name, really, when you think about it. Some guys might call it sissy. But in the eyes of God, this man was lovely. Absolutely lovely. Isn't that interesting? We should find that here in Philippians. And in chapter 3, verse 1, we're told to rejoice because it is safe for you and for me. It's going to protect us from the danger of what? Number one, say it loud, loud. Anger, anger, anger yeah. Number two, covetousness, yeah. <laughs> and your favorite, number three, ugliness. Whoa, ugly, ugly, yeah. It's going to save us from that. We are going to look in the eyes of the Lord ever so lovely, ever so beautiful. Rejoicing in the Lord draws people to Jesus. It does. People ought to know that Jesus is alive and well in your heart by the look on your face. The eyes are the windows of the soul. Do your eyes rejoice? Hmm? Do they rejoice? <laughs> now some of you married folk, you remember when you first got married, you stood at the altar, you looked into each other's eyes? Were those eyes rejoicing? Whatever happened to those eyes? Do they still rejoice? Hmm? Husband, wife? When you, when you see each other, do your eyes still rejoice? Oh, it's you. It's only you. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> imagine, imagine that on your wedding day, huh? You know, the bride comes up, the groom turns around and says, Oh, it's you. 
Well, that doesn't sound too good, does it? Instead, what you're hoping he would say is he would turn around and say, Oh, it's you! That's what you'd rather, right? Rejoicing. Your eyes need to rejoice. People are going to say, Why are you so happy? How come? What is it about you? What makes you so different? And then you're going to have the opportunity to tell them, it's because I've received Jesus Christ into my heart to be my Savior. I'm excited to see Him in heaven one day. And they're going to look at you, huh? And then you're going to say, listen, why don't you come to church with me this Sunday? You'll, you'll hear about it. You'll learn about it. What a great opportunity to witness. Now, many, many years ago, this is back in the, what is it, the 1800s. The Anaconda Mining Company got started down in the States. Here's the story. A whole bunch of men, they were prospectors. They decided they would go out and search for gold. And they, they left uh, Bannock, Montana in search of gold. And they really had it rough. They really did. Uh, some of their members of their band actually died along the way, and they had to bury them. Now this again is going back a long, long time ago. And so they were overtaken by Indians who took their good horses. They were discouraged. They decided to turn around and head back to Bannock. Utter failure, utter defeat, these gold miners, prospectors. And as they journeyed back, one of them by a little creek bed, picked up a stone and cracking it open, he discovered gold. This is how the uh, Anaconda Mining Company began. And so he, he discovered gold and he looked at his friends and said, there may be gold here. And so they all, you know, took out their pans. You know how the miners there, the gold guys, they pan for gold, you know that. And so they're panning away and that day, they put together about $50 worth of gold. Now you say $50, that's nothing. That's nothing today. But that was a tremendous sum of money back then. A lot of money back in those days. And they said, okay, shh, 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 shh. this is a secret. No one breathes a word of this place. We're just going to casually go into town we're going to buy what we need. We're going to come out here and we're going to get rich. And so, true to their word, they went into town. They bought what they needed, the supplies they needed. And as they began to leave town, there were almost 300 other prospectors following them. And they turned and, okay, which one of you guys is the big mouth? Which one of you guys blabbed the secret? How did you find out about us? And some of the other, the new prospectors said, no one told us. We could tell by the look on your face. You found gold. And that's what you want to have happen when you go into work tomorrow morning or when you go into school. You want your friends at work or at school to look at you and say, you found gold, didn't you? What, did you win the lotto or something? And you want to be able to say, no, I found something better. I found 
eternal life. I found Jesus. He's the answer. He's the Savior of my soul. You want to be able to say something like that. God will give you the wisdom, but it starts with the look, the rejoicing. You see how it's safe for us to rejoice. Amen? Let's close our eyes now for prayer. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.